Buy low, sell high. Very easy to say, but not always so easy to do. For example, high interest rates are hurting the real estate market right now. Demand is dropping and prices in a lot of markets are falling, even for many of the best assets. So it's no wonder the Fundrise flagship fund plans to go on a buying spree, expanding its billion-dollar real estate portfolio over the next few months. You can add the Fundrise flagship fund to your portfolio in just minutes and with as little as $10 by visiting fundrise.com pockets, fundrise.com pockets. Carefully consider the investment objectives, risks, charges, and expenses of the Fundrise flagship fund before investing. This and other information can be found in the fund's prospectus at fundrise.com flagship. This is a paid advertisement. This show is sponsored by Airbnb. Did you know that I turned one of my first homes into an Airbnb? It's true. And it even helped me get the extra income I needed to launch my real estate career. So if you want to try your hand at making even more income with your property, Airbnb is the place to be. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. You ever feel like your vacation rental since empty too often? Missing out on potential income? Look, you're not alone. Many property owners struggle with underperforming bookings and the complexities of property management. But here's some good news. Vacasa outperforms other property managers in 92% of the markets they operate. They've helped homeowners like you increase their bookings by an average of 24%, turning those empty days into profitable opportunities. Want to see what your earnings could look like with Vacasa? Visit biggerpockets.com slash Vacasa, spelled V-A-C-A-S-A, and get a free personalized income estimate today. That's biggerpockets.com slash Vacasa. Hello, everyone, and welcome to On The Market. I'm your host, Dave Meyer, and today I am going to be interviewing Doug Duncan, who is the Senior Vice President and Chief Economist at Fannie Mae. This is an awesome interview. I think if you listen to this show, you know that we talk a lot about data, but we're always looking at other people's data, at other people's forecasts, whether it's Zillow or CoreLogic. And having someone like Doug, who literally runs the team at Fannie Mae, who predicts what's going on in the housing market, is such a treat because we can really learn a lot about what his process is and how, you know, what different variables he's considering when he does these analyses. Now, if you are skeptical about forecasts, you should know that Doug and his team actually won an award for forecasting accuracy for the housing market over the last couple of years. So if you want to listen to any forecast, Doug literally has won the award for most accurate housing market forecast over the last couple of years. Um, and he does a great job explaining what goes into it. So in the interview, we talk a little bit about how his team and he develops this methodology, which I, I know like data analytics people like me really love that, but it's important to listen to because, you know, you can take people at their face value, but when you hear Doug sort of explain his thinking and how he weighs different variables, I think it lends a lot of credibility to, to the forecast itself. Um, then we talk about the actual forecast out two years, what he thinks is going to happen throughout 2023 and into 2024. And 
And I'll give you a little teaser. We also talk about why Doug thinks that the housing market is going to behave sort of in an unusual way all the way out until 2027. So he's forecasting four years down the road and obviously he doesn't know the exact numbers, but he does a great job explaining the various variables and influences that are at play that are going to be impacting our industry for the foreseeable future. So buckle up for this one. It's an awesome interview. We're going to take a quick break and then we'll bring on Doug Duncan from Fannie Mae. I'm curious, have you been struggling to keep your vacation rental booked? I totally get it. It's tough to manage and keep filled. But we found something that really works. It's called Vacasa. They've seriously changed the game for a lot of the BP audience. In almost every market they're in, Vacasa manages to fill up the calendar more than anyone else. And get this, the average Vacasa user sees about 24% more bookings than with other managers. That's a lot of extra income. Curious to see what you could be earning? You can get a personalized income estimate right there. I think you'll be pleasantly surprised at what Vacasa can do for you. Check out biggerpockets.com slash Vacasa, spelled V-A-C-A-S-A, biggerpockets.com slash Vacasa. This show is sponsored by Airbnb. Did you know that a long time ago, before I ever started my real estate business, I turned one of my first primary residences into an Airbnb? And that's the extra income that I needed from Airbnb that gave me the confidence to go out and work for myself and eventually quit my 9-to-5 job. And now I have dozens of Airbnbs all over the country. I've even partnered up with the old David Green on a recent property in Scottsdale to take our portfolio to the next level. And of course, we host it on Airbnb. But you don't need to be a full-time real estate investor to start on Airbnb. As a matter of fact, I was self-managing 10 properties while working my 9-to-5 job, so I know anybody can do it. Think about it this way. You're looking for extra income and going on a vacation. Wouldn't it be great to rent out your space and let your property pay for itself while you're gone? I did this one time. I pitched my wife and my roommate because we were house hacking on the idea of renting out our home, and it paid for all of our expenses on a trip to Mexico City. So go and give it a try. It might just change your life just like it did mine. And I really do mean that. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. You're trying to close on your next rental, so why is your insurance company dragging its feet? With long lead times and never-ending paper forms, it's no wonder it takes forever to finally get a policy. Modern investors deserve better. They deserve Steadily.com. At Steadily.com, you'll get fast, affordable landlord insurance available online 24-7 in just a few clicks. You can even get next-day coverage, which takes just minutes, by the way, to obtain. And you can do it all from your phone. Steadily was founded by landlords who created insurance products tailored to the unique needs of this industry. It's their sole focus, and that's why landlords nationwide consistently rate them 4.8 out of 5 stars. So whether you've got a single family, short-term, or multifamily portfolio, Steadily.com can secure the best coverage at the best price to protect your properties. Discover how Steadily can save you both time and money on your rental property insurance. Visit Steadily.com for a commitment-free quote tailored to your needs today. Doug Duncan, welcome to On The Market. Thanks for joining us. Good morning. Glad to be here. Let's start with just having you introduce yourself to our audience. Can you just tell us a little bit about your background in economics and real estate? Uh, yeah, actually, most of my career has been in real estate. I, uh, After I finished my doctorate, I came and uh, worked in Washington for the Department of Agriculture for a couple of years, but uh, then went to the Hill, worked on the House Banking Committee for a little bit, and was hired away from there by the Mortgage Bankers Association. 
uh, where I worked for 15 years and eventually became the chief economist for the last seven of that. And then when the chief economist said um, Fannie Mae left, uh, they recruited me to come to Fannie Mae. So I've been here about 15 years. You know, I didn't start out to be uh, a housing kind of person, but it's a human story. Every human in the world puts their head down on a piece of real estate somewhere every night. It could be, you know, any kind of quality or location, but it's it's part of the human story. It makes it interesting. I've just enjoyed working in that space. Yeah, I, I totally agree. It does the human element does really make it very very interesting, and you've clearly become very good at it. Um, you know, we we are very excited to have you here because we do a lot of speculation on the show and we look at data like yours and talk about what it might mean but don't maintain our own models or do any of our own forecasting so we're very excited to have you here who does your own forecasting um can you just tell us a little bit about the forecasting that you do um and the models that you create at um at fannie mae i'm sure uh it's actually it's a team effort one of the things that i've tried to do is in a controlled way to expand the uh, amount of data that we use in, in drawing the conclusions about where things are gonna go. So we do use a model, but my personal view is one of the flaws in any macroeconomic model is the assumption of uh, equilibrium, which there's never actually in, real, in the real world, there's not no such thing as equilibrium because as soon as the next trade is made, things are different. Um, but you use that as a as a way of starting to organize our thinking. So we have a model that we use, but we do a lot of work outside the model to in, to draw in other information because you can't get everything into the model. And a lot of it is just thinking about things. So, for example, when the after the great financial crisis, none of the models forecasting uh, housing activity work were performing well. And so we just stepped outside and we said, well, let's think about uh, what you have to do to build a house. And the first thing that you have to do to build a house, you have to have a piece of land. So we started calling around to people that invest in land and asked them, what are you doing? Uh, and they were saying, well, we're not, we haven't bought anything because there's all this foreclosure stuff going on. And so nobody's, you know, all that has to be fixed before we start buying land. Well, it's three years from the time that you buy a piece of land till you're starting the permitting process for development. And then that can take a while. And then it's another nine months or a year before you actually get the house. So we, that led us to say in 2014, look, the problem is going to be supply because the construction of supply is way behind. Turns out that was true. So it was then that informed the model and has our, our modeling work has done better. I think. You noted that uh, the team had won the Lawrence Klein uh, forecast award. The thing I'm, the, I, I'm not, I'm from the Midwest and you're not allowed to brag in the Midwest. We could brag for you. They, they oh, you did okay. win an award, a prestigious award for accuracy <laughs> in forecasting. So we'll do it for you. Well, the one, the, the one reason I do mention that is that the, that award is a four year look back on your forecast. So it's not just the most recent time period, but it in, this one in this case includes the pandemic. So that to me was meaningful because we spent a lot of time, not with the mathematical models, but thinking about people, because this was this was a healthcare issue. 
And so how are people going to respond? And then based on how people are going to respond, what are businesses going to do? And in the interim, what are policymakers going to do? None of that was captured in a model anywhere. I want to talk about your forecast in just a moment, but, you know, we see, you know, I, I look at a lot of this data and look at all these different forecasts. We also hear a lot about some of the operational errors from, you know, some of these quote unquote eye buyers who have, have not been able to, to sort of nail the forecasting and modeling. Do you think that's the, the main culprit here is relying too much on just the math and the, you know, the algorithms here and not enough on intuition and some of that more qualitative research? It's probably an issue of balance because the reason we do use models is they give you a framework for thinking. And then we use judgment because things are never the same as they were, you know, in the past uh, in every aspect. And so you have to think about which things have changed in, in ways that might not be fully understood. So I'll give you a current example. In July of 2022, the Fed tightening really got to the market and there was a big drop off in activity from the, the significant run up in mortgage rates. So we and others all forecast a decline in house prices because we'd seen them rise something like 40% in the previous two years. Well, they did decline for a quarter or so, but then they leveled off and picked up. Why was that the case? Well, people who had existing homes were offering them to say for sale at historically low levels. So people who owned a home, very low level of existing homes available from a supply perspective. So that put the expansion of supply on the backs of the builders, and the builders were still struggling to catch up from the great financial crisis. In the meantime, there were these huge transfers of income to households, much to households that might be ready to buy, uh, and that's juiced demand more than we anticipated as an offset to that rise in interest rates. And so house prices have turned, and we think this year, 2023, they're actually going to go up around a little less than 4%, which is not what we thought in July of 2022. Wow. So, yeah. So you're saying, you know, by the end of the year, basically. So for 2023, end of the year will be year over year plus 4% on a national level. Yeah. About a 4% increase. Yeah. Yeah. That's right. Is that sort of the, the time frame of the model or have you forecasted beyond 2023 as well? No, we run, we release publicly a two year forecast. We actually do a bunch of other things for modeling for the company and for, different risk issues and things like that. But the, the public forecast is about a two-year forecast. So the house prices in the 2024 time period, pretty close to flat in the current in our current thinking. And we do release our, our price uh, and forecast publicly. Uh, we do a quarterly forecast. We worked on trying to do a monthly forecast, but it was uh, fairly inaccurate from our perspective. And what the company uses the uh, price forecast for is uh, thinking about the allowance uh, for uh, for losses. And what about 2024 do you think will shift from a environment where we're seeing, you know, solid growth at 4% to one that's flat? Now we have uh, we have a mild recession in our forecast at the beginning of uh, next year. Uh, if you go back a year ago in April, we suggested that was going to occur in the third quarter. 
looks like the consumer's been stronger than we anticipated, and there's been some other underlying strength in activity that's going to push that out to probably to the beginning of next year. Uh, that would lead to a run-up in unemployment somewhere, probably not to 5%, but somewhere close to that. If that if that all occurs, that would suggest some slowdown on the demand side. Mortgage rates, we don't expect mortgage rates to go down very far uh, during that time period. Others have a bigger decline than we do, but we're, we're taking the Fed at their word when they said they're going to be higher for longer. Uh, they've The market's been betting against them for quite some time. Uh, and been disappointed in each period. Right now, I think the market market thinks the Fed won't raise again. I wouldn't necessarily argue with that, but they have the Fed starting to cut in the first quarter of next year. We'll, we'll see about that. And today's inflation numbers don't really change that picture much, but I think that's where we think rates will be a little higher than uh, some folks think a little bit longer. Yeah, it, it does just seem like the more evidence that the higher for longer narrative feels more concrete like that that there's more certainty in that and mortgage rates are are not likely to come down unless you know like like you said if if there is a big uptick in unemployment that could change but that does still feel a bit far out you have some things that are keeping the spreads of uh, mortgage interest rates over for example treasury rates pretty wide you did see going back to that July time period last year, going into the fall, mortgage rates peaked at about 7.1%. And all of a sudden you saw things popping up like two one buy downs. So that's an interesting where you get a discounted interest rate for two years and for one year it's less of a discount then it comes back to a market rate. The reason that happened was in the capital markets, Mortgage-backed securities investors were uninterested in a security backed by 7% mortgages, thinking that the Fed will cut rates and all those loans will prepay and that MBS goes away. Mm, interesting. So there is a part of the reason that for that spread being wide is some expectation that at some point the Fed's going to start easing and some of those loans are going to refinance. There's also the question of risk. If there is a mild recession, it means that some unemployment will occur and that could lead into uh, a reduction in the performance of some of those securities uh, due to uh, delinquency or that, that kind of thing. Um, and there's also the fact that the Fed is continuing to run off its portfolio. It's no longer a buyer. And so someone has to step in and replace the Fed. So there's a variety of reasons why those spreads might be wider today and might continue to be wider going through next year. I'm curious, though, because of that, one stat that always just sticks out in my mind is some of these indices of affordability. And, you know, we're at this point by some measures that affordability is at a, you know, 30 year low, 40 year low, something like that. If housing prices are going to go up a bit this year, stay flat next year, interest rates are, you know, mortgage rates are going to stay elevated. How does this affordability issue work itself out if it does at all? Well, if you take apart some historical relationships and think about where they are today, we have a it results in a chart that I affectionately called the barbed wire chart. That doesn't sound very nice. <laughs> well, I grew up on a farm and I had to manage some barbed wire. It's, it's not a pleasant experience. <laughs> can't imagine. Um, so it, in time, it's, it makes sense that a household of a certain income can roughly afford a house at a certain price. 
So there's a there's a long-term stable relationship between income and house prices. Then that relationship uh, can be moderated or modulated by interest rates. If you have to borrow money to buy the house, the higher the interest rate, the lower the price will be relative to your income. As interest rates fall, you can afford to pay more price relative to your income, right? So that's a pretty common sense kind of a relationship. That relationship is very stable all the way from the early uh, 1980s uh, out until 2001. In economic indicators, incredibly stable. Then you saw the bubble, then you saw the burst of the bubble, and then for from about 2014 to about 2020, it was right back on that relationship to 2019, I should have said. Uh, then in 20, uh, we had COVID, and that the combination of the lack of supply, the things like the PPP, the income transfers. To, uh, to salaried workers, which is where most of the home buyers are, all that really juiced demand at a time when the builders had actually sort of stopped increasing supply because they weren't sure with 20 million job losses, mm-hmm. who's going to buy a house, right? So they actually stopped building for a little bit. They were also worried about their staff and the health of their staff. So they got further behind all of that juiced, uh, juiced prices. If you look at that relationship, we're still uh, on, from a uh, price relative to that long-term history relationship, significantly above that level. So what has to happen? Well, either interest rates have to come down or house prices come down or incomes go up or supply increases or some combination of those three, those four things. Mm-hmm. I, that's what I would be watching is what are those four things doing in concert to one another to get us back to that long-term relationship, which is very predictable. So that's what we're looking at these days. And do you have any thoughts on what combination of those four variables might might do it? Well, we think that if the Fed gets inflation under control, that means real incomes will probably strengthen there will ultimately, if the inflation is under control, the Fed will ease interest rates. The builders are building, but not faster than what demographics are increasing demand. So on the supply side, it would have to be that existing uh, homeowners would be willing to offer their home for sale. Although most of that is actually just churn, because unless you're selling a house and then moving into an apartment, you're not adding to supply for purchase borrowers, right? Mm-hmm. So it really is more on the builder front. And it's hard to see that prices uh, come down uh, very rapidly. Although in a recession, depending on the depth of the recession, they may, they may come down some. So I, I think more so it's about interest rates uh, and incomes than it is about the supply side. Uh, or house prices. That makes sense. And it sounds like your base case here is that it'll probably take a little while for this issue to resolve itself. Yeah. If we look at the barbed wire chart, it suggests, uh, given our total economic forecast, 2027, uh, it would come back into alignment. Oh my God. Okay. Wow. Yeah. It's a little ways to go. Just to be clear, you see prices being relatively stable during that time. Meanwhile, 
you know, real wage increase and affordability sort of chipping away at the inaffordability problem. And then demographics will ease things a little bit. The, the peak uh, home buying age for the millennials is uh, three or four years off. So that the demographic push will also ease a bit then. And do you, do you have any thought like thoughts on how that might play out just in the whole economy? Like it just seems like there's this huge bottleneck with affordability in the housing. Um, obviously, that impacts you know our, our audience and people who are real estate in the real estate industry. But do you think that this issue where people are having a hard time affording houses could sort of have secondary impacts uh, on the broader economy? Well, interestingly, the the homeownership rate nationally is pretty close to the to to its um, sustainable level. So. Uh, that is the homeownership rate is around 65%, which uh, if you just kind of do a simple exercise, you think about people that are really in the older stages of life are going to need some assistance. So they may exit homes into senior living facilities and things like that. So there's a share of the population that would exit ownership at that end. There's a group of people who simply don't want to buy uh, homes they like living in apartments. Right. Uh, there's a group who are financially unable to achieve homeownership, and then there's a group that are too young to really be considered uh, in the homeownership category. If you do that simple math, you kind of get to where the homeownership rate is today. It's a little bit weighted toward the boomers because their health has been better than some better some previous generations, and they have a high homeownership rate. So they're holding it up uh, uh, at the national level. So some of those younger groups wouldn't pr uh, probably have the same homeownership rate as a previous generation might because of this affordability issue. And so the question becomes, will the boomers start to release some of that existing home supply that they have, or will this group that locked in very low interest rates, two and a half to three and a half percent in the 2020 to 2022 time period. Will they simply hold those and convert them into single family rentals because they got such a low interest rate on them and actually take some supply out of the market from that perspective? They have to move and they buy another house, but keep that one as a rental. It'll be interesting to see how that piece plays out as well. So there's challenges uh, in the days ahead. It, it certainly sounds like it. Given that Fannie Mae's one of Fannie Mae's missions is to spread equitable access to affordable housing, do you have any thoughts or advice for people who do want to get into that housing market but are, you know, struggling with prices and interest rates where they are? Well, I'll say the same thing I've said for 25 years because I I just think it's it's basic and true. That is, if you have a family budget or a household budget. So I start with that phrase because you should have a household budget because the things a lender is going to ask you will come right out of that budget. They're going to ask you anyway. So you should you want to be equally prepared as the lender. It makes for a better conversation and negotiation when you're talking about loan terms. But if you have that budget and at today's prices, and the home that you're looking for, you can qualify to buy, uh, then 
it's a good time to buy. If you're betting that interest rates are going to go somewhere or house prices are going to go somewhere, now you become a speculator. Can you afford to be a speculator? Some people can, some people can't. But in the midst of that, really key is making sure that you're, you have managed your credit well. Uh, and if you haven't, you can fix it. Uh, it takes discipline, but it goes back to that budget and it says, don't, you know, don't spend outside your budget. Make sure you pay your credits on time. Show that you, uh, you're uh, a responsible manager of uh, financials. That's all that's going to be key to becoming a homeowner. Uh, no matter whether you are lower income or you're higher income, it's the same principles that apply. And you always should remember you have bargaining power because the lender doesn't make any money if they don't make you a loan. Yes. <laughs> They're in the business of making loans. So they actually want to make you a loan. So you, that's power for you as a consumer. And I've uh, personally, I've never taken a mortgage without talking to at minimum three lenders. And I've always got a better deal than with the first one that I talked to. Well, that's, that is good financial advice for any economic climate. You know, that's just good sound advice to shop around, be organized, be, you know, uh, negotiate as well as you can. So thank you. Doug, this has been a really big help. We really appreciate you coming and joining us. If people want to learn more about you or download the forecast that you and your team produce, where should they do that? Uh, FannieMae.com, uh, F-A-N-N-I-E-M-A-E.com. All the research and things that we talk about in our forecast, including the forecast and commentary on the forecast is available free on the website. Uh, we don't have a charging thing. We have a public uh, mission. And so we try to make lots of information available to the public and to people in the industry. That's great. Well, thank you so much, Doug. We really appreciate you joining us. It's a pleasure. Good to join you. Another big thanks to Doug Duncan, who is the senior vice president and chief economist at Fannie Mae for joining us for this episode. If you like this episode, share it with a friend. Go out and, you know, maybe you have that friend who thinks that housing prices are going to crash or is scared about getting into the real estate market and share this information that Doug, who literally wins awards for forecasting the housing market, has shared with us today. Maybe it will help them understand what's going on in the economy and make some good investing decisions for themselves. Thank you all so much for listening and we'll see you for the next episode of On The Market. On The Market is created by me, Dave Meyer, and Kaylin Bennett. Produced by Kaylin Bennett. Editing by Joel Esparza and Onyx Media. Research by Pooja Jindal. Copywriting by Nate Weintraub. And a very special thanks to the entire Bigger Pockets team. The content on the show On The Market are opinions only. All listeners should independently verify data points, opinions, and investment strategies. The housing market is changing, and finding your way right now can be a bit tricky. There are rate shifts, there are confusing headlines, but at the end of the day, your goal hasn't changed. You probably still want financial freedom as much as ever. Well, the good thing is that experienced investors know it's not about trying to time the market. It's about the amount of time you have in the market. 
And if you're ready to get into real estate investing game, you can still do that. Or you can take your game to the next level by finding an investor-friendly agent. With BiggerPockets Agent Finder, you can find the right agent in just a few minutes. You head over to biggerpockets.com deals, enter in some details about what you want, where you want to buy, and boom, you instantly get matched with an investor-friendly agent who fits the bill. These local market experts can help you navigate the neighborhoods, analyze the numbers, and take action with confidence once and for all. This free resource is only available at biggerpockets.com slash deals. Get an agent, get the deal, and get closer to financial freedom at biggerpockets.com slash deals. That's biggerpockets.com slash deals to find your investor-friendly agent today. The content of this podcast is for informational purposes only. Past performance is not indicative of future results, and all hosts and participant opinions are their own. Investments in any asset, real estate included, involves risk. Use your best judgment and consult with qualified advisors before investing. Only risk capital you can afford to lose. Bigger Pockets LLC disclaims all liability for direct, indirect, consequential, or other damages arising from reliance upon information presented in this podcast.